the success of our book, Atheism Kills, continues on. I'm very excited about it. And, you know, Ari, you've been with me for years and years while I was writing this book, right? And you saw, and you're no doubt wondering also, you look, here he is writing this book about the dangers of, of godlessness and, you know, let's see if this takes off. And, you know, it's not likely, right? I mean, it's a self, um, you know, it's, it's a generated book of an idea that's been in my head for a long time and who knows whether it'll take, it'll take off. Well, it really has. It really, really has. And <clears throat> you were saying that you were not surprised that that's taken off so, so much. And I, I've always appreciated your faith in the book, Ari. Really, it helped propel me forward throughout uh, you helped me edit the book. You gave me great suggestions. Um, there's so many things that you've suggested. And when I, the person, by the way, folks, when you, when you write a book, the person to thank the most is the person who agrees to review the first edition of a book. All right? <laughs> that is the bravest guy out there. Because, you mean the people who agree to read it? Yes, I'm sorry. Right. Yes, to, 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 just to... Just to read it, yes. because oh man, if you don't have a good editor, if you don't have friends who are willing to do it, you know it's 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 like this. You know, it's like it's like a it's like a big jigsaw puzzle, right? And you know, you just you have all these a thousand pieces. <clears throat> if you just, you know, if, if you've done most of the puzzle, right, and then you say, hey, there's like 25 more pieces, and you say, hey, buddy, can you finish this puzzle for me? He'll say, sure. And it won't be that hard because, you know, it's only 25 pieces. He can kind of more or less see the big picture, literally. But if you were to just give him, here's a bunch of pieces and start off, it's much more daunting. No, it's like, here's a pile of a thousand pieces. Can you find the corners for me? Yeah, exactly. You know, yeah. Um, yeah. well, I'll look. Yeah. But yeah. One, of the, one of the things that you were saying is how the, the signs find uh, the theme, right? Uh, and this is, our theme is that godlessness, that atheism kills that it's a highly destructive force, whether you realize it or not, right? You, you can claim that you just, well, all, Barack, all I uh, want to tell you is that I just don't believe in God. What's the problem here? That's not an ideology. That's just not believing in your ideology, which is a belief in God. And, and we've addressed this last week. That's a nonsensical argument. That's like saying, just to repeat, that's like saying, I don't believe in seatbelts, right? But there will be consequences for not having seatbelts. That's like saying, I don't believe in an army. Okay, well, there'll be consequences to not having an army. I don't believe in law and order. Okay, but there are consequences to not having law and order and so forth, right? I don't believe in, I don't believe in vaccinations. There are many people who don't believe it. And they can just say, well, I don't, I don't believe in your philosophy of vaccinations. That's, that's, that's re I mean, it's really stupid. There will be consequences. If you don't vaccinate, there'll be consequences if you don't engage in basic hygiene for that matter, Right? So, and, and we're coming upon this world where with the death, uh, the recent death of Charles Manson, for example, may he rot in hell. In fact, I'm sure he is already rotting in hell. The rotting process has begun, okay? And with the whole death of the 60s, um, we are seeing this, uh, what is the word I'm looking for? Umbrella of atheism how it's infected so many of the things that we've been seeing, right? Charles Manson was himself a man who saw himself as a little God, right? I, I doubt that he believed in, in God at all. In fact, I'm sure he did not believe in God. Uh, he was as godless as they come. And look what he did, okay? Now, not all atheists will engage in murder sprees like Charles Manson did. I understand. 
But I can tell you that people who engage in murder sprees don't believe in God. How about that for a Venn diagram? Right. Generally, and the other thing is, in with the title "Atheism Kills," your book is about those exceptional atheists who went out and did things like this. Right. Whether they did it like Paul Pot did and killed two million out of uh, Cambodia's relatively small population, where they they killed thirty million in the Holodora like Stalin, whether they killed a hundred million like Mao, whether they killed thirty or forty million like uh, Hitler. Or whether they killed 15 people like Charles Manson. Manson. Right. And, and of course, all the antecedents. What's so important about Manson is <coughs> you have to remember, Manson influenced Bernadine Dorn and Will, Bill Ayers, right. the weathermen, who went on to be influencers of Obama. He, there were all of these, and they've all been memory hold. They don't want to admit it. All of these idiot leftists from the 1970s loved Manson. They thought he was an all right guy. And those people were influencers of many people in power today. Well, let me, let me get to that because, first of all, I want to address a comment, an, an adjective you used, the exceptional atheist leaders, as if it's to the exception because the atheists now hearing this will say, oh, well, well they're just arguing at the margin here, that Ari and Barack. No, I mean the exception What those were the ones who did the big murders. Right, exactly know? right. That, that's, that's, that's exactly right. Now, what we're saying, you and I, is that <clears throat> wherever godlessness has seized control of a government, horrific things happened. There has been never, there's never been an exception, ever, okay? Whether it's a small, tiny country or a big country like the Soviet Union or China, okay? Albania was horrific. That's a small country, all right? <clears throat> Whenever you have an atheistic uh, approach to, to the world and you have a little bit of power, like Charles Manson, okay, bad things are going to happen. Watch out. So you guys who are atheists can, can uh, chortle all that you want about this, but the reality is that your own belief system, if you actually uh, initiate it, if you actually put it into motion, it's going to lead to hor horrific things. So, so look, as an atheist, you are basically saying, look, the world would be better off without God. Now, by the way, when I was an atheist, I did not believe that. I actually felt that a world with God was, was essential. I thought you were all fools for believing it. But, you know, it's like the Matrix, right? I, I saw the Matrix. I knew what the Matrix, I knew what was really going on. And you fools down on earth uh, don't realize that you're being fooled. But nevertheless, it was necessary. Nobody could, you know, not too many people should be able to see the Matrix. That was the idea that I had. Very uh, self-congratulating and very arrogant at the same time. Uh, the same thing, uh, however, is true with the atheists. They, the, most atheists are not that intellectually honest. They actually believe we're going to be so much better off with you, the, without this religion business. Because you know what? I know that they engaged in the Inquisitions and the Crusades. And then there were the Salem witch trials and such. And then there's the pedophilia scandal, the, ch the Catholic Church. And uh, who knows what else that they've done, right? Uh, never mind all the good that the church has done. Um, we, we just know that it would, we'd be better off. Okay, it's, that's the, the bottom line. These people have no sense of history, of course, but if they actually employed their atheistic approach, horrific things would happen. Um, and they just don't get that. They never go one step further beyond their mental capacity of who they are and what they believe the world would look like and so on. Well, can I ask you a quick question about, because I think- Well, I'll just finish, be... one, finish oh, the thought. The, the, the thought, and hold on to that question. So many people have said to me that 
you know, I'm an atheist and I'm a, I'm a good person. And they, they would just see the, the atheism kills uh, caption page. They, they didn't read a single thing other than the caption page, the, the, the cover of the book. And then they just have all these opinions. Have, have you heard about the religious wars, Mr. Lurie? Fool, you know, that sort of thing. Uh, okay, I'm 54 years old. I wrote a 350-page book on the subject. Maybe I discuss this as an issue. Just maybe. Yeah, you know? it might be in the book even. Yeah, it you might, might even be in the book. That yeah, that's right. And, uh... So it's, it's so cute. But nevertheless, they say I'm, I'm an atheist and I'm a good person. And, and I say, like, that's like saying I'm a communist and, and I'm a good person. But surely you would agree with me. I'm in the KKK, but I'm a good person. Right, exactly. I'm a Nazi. Uh, yeah, I'm a good I'm person. A good person. But, but you would agree with me that communism was a pretty horrific religion. Even you, you guys on the left, should start seeing that now. And many of them do, by the way. They, they recognize evil in the past, as, as I always say, about the far left. Right? They, they, they loved fascism. They loved it while it was happening. Then, of course, decades later, when they realized how horrific it was, then they're just totally against it. And they even called Donald Trump a fascist, you know, and anybody that they don't like a fascist. And now they're beginning to do it with the communists. Good. Good for them. You know, you're about, I don't know, 40 years too late, but okay, we'll, we'll take it. Um, and they don't, um, they, they don't see that analogy. Anyway, go ahead. Uh, you had a question. Well, the, the question I have is, and there's two parts. So the first part is, you know, after I guess the second part, you can start with the whittling down the first part. First part is, do you believe, as I do, that every atheist is power-hungry and doing his best to accede to the top of the anthill of power, like a Manson, Pol Pot, Stalin did? The reason they are exceptions is because they're the ones who have acquired the power. You know, right. you talk about, you know, Scarface, we want the money. Right. Well, not everyone is in the drug game acquired the amount of money that Tony Montana did, right? <laughs> you know? Well, so, so that's for part one. And then part two is, um, based on the fact, if you agree that all of them are power-hungry, and when they do finally accede to the top of the power pyramid and they gain control of a country, as you said, it's inevitable that the horrific things happen. Has there ever been an, an example in history, and I, I've read the book, so I know the answer to this one, <laughs> where one of them right. finally abandoned their murderous ways when they finally crested the pyramid and said, ah, oh, now I can be civil. Now I right. can stop my yeah, blood Now, now that I killed all my enemies. Yeah, and now, so I can, now I can just open up all the death camps of which I was in concentration camps and gulags of right. which I spent all my career assembling. Right. You yeah, we're, we're good to go. Yeah, right. because once you acquire power in those ways, you have to hold on to it. Yeah. And one other thing that happened this weekend that's interesting is you heard this morning Robert Mugabe went bye-bye too. I, I well, I want to answer your questions. Yes. So remember the second part of your question. I'm going to now address the first part of your question, which is to, to rephrase or paraphrase your, your question, which is do you feel, Barack, that – uh, everyone who's an atheist w wants actually to uh, acquire ultimate power for their respective domain and wherever they can to to accelerate that power and, and to ultimately control other people. The answer is yes and no. Okay. Uh, I have found, having known so many atheists and having been an atheist myself, that what they, they boil down to two different groups, and it's really binary. There are those who want the power and those who are want to follow. And, and think of it like owner and slave, right? It's, it, if you don't know anything other than owner and slave, right, you'll say, okay, well, which are you? 
And, and some will, will be okay with being a slave because after all, so long as they're treated decently, I guess, after all, uh, you know, you're getting your food, you're getting your uh, you know, bedding and your, your shelter and such like that. What's not to like, right? You don't have to think at all. So I know that sounds counterintuitive, I'm not, but we're not talking about the slavery, the South sort of thing. I'm talking about indentured servitude, the whole feudal system and such. There was, there was an understanding. That's the way life was. There's the master and there's the indentured, indentured servant or, if you like, the slave. Yeah, the king and the serf. That's right. Yeah. And, and that's the way the atheist thinks. Charles Manson's a very good example. Nobody in his group was power hungry uh, other than Charles Manson himself. They, the rest of this group wanted to follow him. Right? So their I mean, acts of slavery, uh, indentured servitude, and hard labor included sticking a knife, uh, a fork in Sharon King's right. belly after she was dead, shotgunning the other victims. Right. Those were uh, yeah. those were the, if you will, the hard labor of being his slave. Right. If you want another uh, analogy, think of it almost in sexual terms. Right. There is a person uh, who is the active person, and there's a person who's the passive person. That's the way it is. Generally speak, speaking, in a sexual encounter, one is the active and one is the passive. All right, and it's you know I, I don't I'm not trying to be gross here. I'm simply saying that's a matter of fact. That's yeah. the way it works. Somebody's giving and somebody's receiving. Just a time for the Christmas season. Right? <laughs> that's right. <laughs> but but that's the way they view it. Okay, yeah. so you can't have. Uh, I mean, as I joke around in my my book, I say you can't have your. Um, Abbott without your Costello and the yin without the yang and everything else. And this is the way the, the, uh, the atheist sees the world. There must be somebody in charge and then there, there will be people who will follow. That's it. Okay. The idea that everyone can individually be free. Oh, let's not, let's not uh, get hasty here. Let's not uh, be, you know, to, uh, let's not run amok here with, with all your crazy ideas. Uh, because, you know, giving people their freedom, I mean, <laughs> let's be serious. Yeah, a constitution <laughs> that tells every man he can rule his own kingdom. What? Uh, I, and that kingdom has a lawn and a garage and two cars in it and right. a wife. But, How dare they? And, and people, yeah, exactly. People might actually be able to self-actualize and, and, and do the things that they want to do. I Because mean, <clears throat> I have this vision for everyone, and it's quite utopian. And I, I really like it, and I, I know it's going to work. And everyone just get that friggin' line, please. Thank you very much. And, and, and what do you do when nobody, you know, it, it, like I say in my book, the one thing that's common to all utopias is, first of all, whose utopia are we, are we talking about, right? But even assuming that you have a utopia that you now are ready to impose, well, it only works if everybody gets in line, falls in line, as it were, right? As soon as you have somebody who says, I don't think so, like the, the, the Life of Brian guy says, I'm not, right? Yeah. You're all different. I'm not, right? But if, if you actually do have somebody who's different, You've got to smash them down in place. You've got to hammer them down. And that's, uh, that's, that's a recipe for dictatorship. Because that's where the gulag comes in. Of course. This is the, the, only, the only system. And I, I, I want, if there's one thing I want our listeners to take away from this podcast and remember, the only system that has ever embraced the differences in individuality of all people and, and honored their differences and encourage them to, to exploit their own personal talents and to pursue their own ways of life is democracy, okay? And specifically, God-based free market capitalism in, in, in a democratic fashion. That has been the only system. No other system 
Repeat, no other system has honored the individual. Okay, so if you, if you are jiggy with having uh, a, a government oppose everything upon you, well, then by all means, get rid of, of democracy, okay? And get rid of God. Yeah, you get rid of it. But, but uh, you know, I don't wish, I, I certainly don't wish it for you, but good luck trying to figure out and we're arguing amongst yourselves which system that might be. Yeah, because it's, it's similar to many of the political discussions we've had about leftism, where we say, isn't it interesting that leftists work so hard to bring about the policy changes to America that would make it more like a North Korea when North Korea is just sitting there for them wel- and would welcome them with open arms? Right, exactly. Right. It's, it, yeah. it's like it proves that even they, the hardcore leftists, does not want to live in North Korea. Of course. And you, of course, say, well, why not? So why, <laughs> what's not to love, right? But, but, and similarly, the atheists, uh, many uh, like you who – and I, I use the, this – The former term, man. The former yeah, man, I, yeah. A former, uh, a reformable atheist. I use it for many liberals who are uh, – or leftists who are um, convincible or uh, um, that uh, perhaps you're not as entrenched as you think in those philosophies. And maybe you are more open to – Possibilities and suggestions and, and things like no, that, they, which inevitably yeah. leads to your transition and, and reformation. Well, they're childish. I mean, ultimately, they are truly childish. Atheism is a child's philosophy. Okay, you can be as insulted as you want, my, my atheist listener, but it is a child's philosophy, precisely because of what you just said, because they don't think it through. Children don't think things through. A child will say, in our, our, our children, we both have very young children, each of us uh, in our families. And each of them has said something cute like, well, why don't you just get more money from the bank, daddy, right? You know, just, you know, he wants to, you know, my son wants, uh, wanted us to have a boat, you know, like a yacht. And I say, well, it's, it, it, has, it costs a lot of money. And he said, what every child says eventually sometime in his young life, we'll just get some money from the bank. They've got the money there, daddy. Like, well, it doesn't quite work that way, son. And you have to explain to him about what work means and how you earn money and so forth. And, you know, it takes them a while to understand that, right? But the same thing is true with the atheist. He, he somehow thinks that his utopia, it will not have competing ut- utopias. What, what, who, just something very simple. For example, bike lanes. You know, somebody likes the idea of bike lanes. We should have bike lanes, this, this atheist might say. And that'll be good for the environment. It'll be good for, you know, people's health and everything else. Let's do that. Well, then, okay, even if you like the idea of bike lanes, the question becomes, well, where do we put the bike lanes? Which roads shall have these glorious bike lanes? Everywhere? Well, okay, but then there's some congestion. I mean, clearly you need to, I mean, the things don't work out. You're going to have conflict at some point. And somebody's got to impose himself on the rest of society. And, and, you may think, okay, well, there's a socialist version, there's a communist version, there's a fascist version, by the way, much of which are all the same, but nevertheless, there are three somewhat different ways of looking at it. I'm talking about dictatorially, right? Not from a uh, democratic point of view. And how do you, and then even within those particular um, paradigms, there's a German kind of socialism, there's a Swedish kind of socialism, there's a French socialism, there's even an English socialism. What kind of socialism shall we have, my friend? What does it look like? And what rules are you willing to be forced upon you? 
I just they just don't even think about yeah, it. Because even cultural differences do not get in line immediately with the globalistic vision that we all should reject God and be as one. Right, right, exactly right. So so true. And then, but you ask every atheist about the notion of free speech and and freedom itself, they'll pay lip service to the notion of both of those things, but they don't really believe it because well, they, because they, they because they've engaged in shouting down anybody that disagrees with them. Right. They're more than happy if you the speech you engage in is decadent, profane, or anti-God. Right. But the second you write a book like yours. It's shut the you-know-what up. Right. Oh, they, And don't they, come around here no more, Tom Petty. The, the, you know? That's right. The flack that I've received just by presenting the cover right. of the book. Right. And is, it's a good cover. Yeah, it's a good – right. <laughs> it, 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 thank you. I appreciate that. Uh, many thanks to my book cover designer, uh, Ben Lazardi. He's fantastic. Anyway, um, but it's really – it's just unbelievable. And these, this book is not even available yet. Uh, it's, it's available for pre-order. You can buy it ahead. But they haven't read the book. You know, and and you, you know that they haven't read the book because they've instantly commented on it. So unless they're the ultimate speed reader having downloaded the Kindle version, I don't think so. Yeah, they're okay. like that Obama judge in Hawaii who hears oral arguments, and three <laughs> hours later, he has hundreds of pages of written decision. Oh, yeah, just yeah. Like I wonder that. how that came wow, out. Wow, you read that fast. Yeah, wow, really? You absorbed the whole thing just from the cover? Yeah. It deep. Was, it, deep. Was, it was really deep. <laughs> so anyway, so going back to your, your first question, which is about do I think that all atheists have this dictatorial impulse? No. I think about half of them do, maybe even less. But the rest of them can't wait to follow the dictator. Well, it, that, that's that's yeah. an important well, that's, distinction. That's such an important thing. That's what was leading me to the the uh, justification for the words I chose: exceptional or exception. In that, just based on what you just outlined, which is pretty universal in humanity, um, a lot of people use Facebook, but only a few people work there, and only one guy invented it. Right. Right. Only, uh, you know, a couple people invented Coca-Cola. A lot more people drink it. You know what I mean? So uh, by the numbers, that's a that's a a lot more people watch baseball than play it. You know, Um, so the point is, when we talk about the exceptional atheists or those who are exceptions, it is just standard human practice that some are more successful than others. And some a fewer number have the ambition that the mass doesn't, and that those fewer, through trying and trying and, and ruthless ambition and, uh, you know, that, that stick-to-itiveness, you know, right. good but, old but elbow grease, have ascended to those heights right. of mass murder. But I think you're assuming that most people are in their follower positions because they weren't able to get their dictatorial power positions. And I don't think that's correct. No, I think I, they just enjoy being the line item cook, if you will, of the yes, gulag. That's right. They like being the guy with the with the uh, notepad that says "hard labor, death, hard labor, death." I, I agree. Other people like operating there you the go. gas because because the, the, there's a German expression, and it's one of the most powerful cultural identities of any country I've ever seen. In my book, I describe this: that different nations have different identities. Right? China has a Identity of unity. It must be unified. They are terrified of breaking apart. That's part of the reason why you have the conflict with Taiwan. But China has to be unified. Yeah, very, to very stand powerful. out to be a Chinese that stands out from right. the rest <clears throat> is to be ostracized. Right. It's okay. Yeah. So uh, in America, I, I describe America as like Han Solo from Star Wars. Right? He he's the renegade guy who does things his own way and he lives by his own rules. But by golly, he gets he, he does the right thing. He's a cool guy, right? That's the way at least we like to think of ourselves. 
a little bit of a cowboy sort of thing. Sometimes, you know, we don't follow where we need to follow, but by golly, you know, we just, we'll show up when we're needed. And, and I like that about Americans, right? Germany, and this is where I'm getting to, Germany has an expression. It's, it's, it says, Ordnung muss sein, which means there must be order. And it is such a powerful phrase in Germany. I lived in Germany for a year and a half, and we had to deal with that phrase so often. It was, uh, it, 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 I don't think people can really appreciate how powerful a phrase that is. They, that's why they clean their cars so much. This is why they watch over each other. Order is so important to them. And to, to a fault. I mean, a real fault. And no, I'm not, I'm not passing judgment on them as if they're all Nazis because of that phrase. On the contrary, I, there's, some, there's good when there's order, right? There's things I like about Germany for that very reason. But order must be. And I, uh, you see it all the time. And I think that a lot of atheists love that. They love the notion of order. And here's a dictator. He's telling us what to do. We're just, please don't make us think. Please don't make us work at our, with our brains. Show us where to stand. Show us where to shoot. Yeah, I'll just do it. Show us where to sleep and we'll do yeah, it. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. And, and look, and, and a lot of people are like this. I, I used to work for a, 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 you know, Donald Sterling. He was a, he's a real estate developer. And we had a couple of uh, people there, guys and ladies, that, you know, it, it wasn't, it wasn't the easiest job in the world to have, but you know what? They love coming in at nine o'clock and they love leaving, checking out at five o'clock and they got the paycheck and they didn't seek any sort of advancement in the organization. I think I'm speaking about a lot of organizations, by the way, they can't think beyond the organization and it's like a little, little mini dictatorship in there. Right. And you know, who do you have to uh, appeal to? Who, how can I get that promotion? But they don't even think about that. They just hope that it comes to them, and they'll, be, you know, they'll be sat down for the review. And here, you know, Bobby, uh, you know, you did pretty well. We're giving a three percent increase. Thank you so much, sir. I really appreciate that. And then they call up their wives and say, "We got a three percent promotion. That's really great. Let's celebrate, honey." And I'm not, I'm not poo-pooing it too much, but they don't think beyond their abilities. Uh, they, they don't want to think beyond that. And I, th- I think that's the vast majority of people. Let me even prove my point, and this is in a, in a, a very important part of my book, which is that people actually love dictatorships, even when they're, the, they're not the dictator. You remember in the book, I, I talked about how many different people, uh, famous uh, celebrities, and, and I think this, they speak for millions and millions of people, wanted to give Obama dictatorial rule. They thought, just make him dictator. He'll do the right thing. Well, he'll do what you want him to do, but not necessarily what I want to do, right? I mean, it doesn't occur to them. That's the childish thinking, right? Yeah, they can't imagine there's anyone out there who would disagree with them. Hence the labeling of Republicans as all the epithets they think. We're just the opposite. Yeah, we're the obstacles because we just want want to impede progress for whatever crazy reason we have. So, but Harry Belafonte said this. He wanted uh, Obama to be a dictator. He should treat... Uh, his, the opposition, meaning the Republicans at the time, as a, as a, as a banana republic dictator would. Right. Just squash them. And Anthony Kiedis of the Red Hot Chili Papers, Peppers is very famous in that video, kissing his armpits, saying, uh, 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 you know, biceps. Yeah, biceps. I'm uh, armpits. That's even more disgusting, but whatever. He's famous for saying, I'm happy to be the servant yeah. of Barack that's Obama. Right. That's right. 
servant. So yeah, yeah, it was weird. He pledged his loyalty as if, I mean, he was he was on a quest to be a, a follower, which is interesting because the Red Hot Chili Peppers, you know, they have a different kind of musical sound, and you've got to be a little different to to do that. Yeah, I thought they were renegades, not right. servants. Yeah, but yeah. Anyway, <laughs> I know. But I likewise, know. Uh, the same thing was said by Woody Allen. Right, he, they should make him dictator. Yeah, Tom Friedman. So, to, and and yeah. then Tom Friedman, my my favorite one because he yeah, he's China supposed to be. Day. Would yeah. you let me get to that point? <laughs> so um, the, the the my favorite one because he's supposed to be the one who's more uh, a, a thoughtful person. He's writing these columns. He, you think that he would think things through a little bit better, and he writes this article. Uh, Let's be China for a day, uh, and and the notion is. Kind of what you might think, which is, listen, we got to get things done. Wouldn't it be great if we could be China for a day and just cut the crap with all this legislative bantering and making sure that we get all these approvals? Oh, for crying out loud. I don't even know where to begin with that one because, you know, it's so childish because, well, well, who's the one? I mean, we would love to be China for a day in a sense. We'd love to outlaw abortion. How about that? We'd love to say there's no more minimum wage. How about that? We'd love to be China for a day and get rid of all of affirmative action. How yeah, about that? Lock up all the criminals who've been let out, <clears throat> deport right. all the illegal aliens, and, uh, shut down huge swaths of the government, fire all these agencies, make taxes 8% and no more for everyone. <laughs> but it never dawns on them yeah. that we also have our desires. Our desires yes. it's, it's so childish. And to, to Friedman, who is supposed to be such an intellectual giant, to not... It, it doesn't even enter his mind. He only thinks of like how obvious it is that his um, uh, mantra of what should be the law is should should govern. It's just mind-boggling that he could go that far. Yeah, and you made such a good point because these are the people who desire to be the slaves, right? Yeah. So they can't imagine that their political <laughs> opponents don't also desire to be slaves. Right. Because what's interesting about us as conservatives, not one of us wants to give dictatorial power to a conservative leader to impose this stuff on us. We would ambish to be a, a, <laughs> right. a, a successful convincer, great communicator, Ronald Reagan type, to uh, have other people agree to our brilliant vision, but by no means do we want it imposed on anyone against their will, and we certainly don't want to join in and be the the loyal slaves to some dictatorial conservative. Right. It's so true, right? I mean, it's... I mean, literally, this is part of the reason why why I became a conservative, because I so respected the fact that they respect me as an individual, that, that I have my own quests for for great things and to accomplish great things in my own way. Right, and you have your th- your your thing, and and the family is paramount, and so forth. I just, I always thought it was so fascinating that people were totally okay with dictators, and then I realized, you know what? It makes sense. It has always been this way. The fight for freedom is just that. It is a fight. You have to be constantly vigilant. Yeah, eternal vigilance, eternal eternal fight. Freedom mm-hmm. is only exists because it was won this morning, today, right. in this place. And tomorrow, it will have to be fought for again. That's right. Think of it like a, a castle that you just have to keep on defending. Right. right. And if you don't defend it, after a very short while, the barbarians will attack and, and, and breach the uh, the walls and, and rape and pillage uh, throughout the castle walls. That's the way it is. 
Yeah, and Can it's you, not one election or one decision or one news story, one media hysteric that that creates or starts us. It's a thing that that's constant every day, yeah. every heart and mind. You know, when you talk to your kids and debrief them after school, it's done there. When you drive your kids to school in the morning, it's done there. When you talk to your friends, it's done there. You know yeah. that. It's, okay, it's, 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 it's the hardest thing. Yeah. When I and, and the slave people that we're talking about, those who desire slavery, are those who don't want to engage in the responsibility of this. And thus, they are also atheists. Right. And, and there's a correlation. Right. Look, when I started my, uh, my, my law practice, uh, every bone in my body said, don't do this, don't do this, don't do this. You'll, you know, you've got a steady job. Just stick with it. Right. And, and you'll get there's a chance for partnership. There's a chance for more money at the end of the day here. It is secure. You're, you're going to go out and start your own firm without having any clients at all. In fact, even if you had five clients or 10 clients, for that matter, not such a smart move. I mean, it's, it's really risky. And I got to tell you, it was terrifying. But I made myself do because I know that the the inertia would it would kill me. I need to. Be, I need to get beyond this. I knew that if I were to have true freedom, I had to start my own law firm, and uh, we're now more successful than anything I could have ever done as an employee for somebody else, as an associate in another firm. I'm not poo-pooing it. It's the right thing for a lot of people. Okay, and I hire associates, but with each of them uh, that works for me, I just let them be who they're going to be. If they're going to be somebody that really has wants to bring in new clients and be part of the power base, I welcome them. Okay, I, I want them to be partners. In fact, I encourage them. But most people are not like that, Ari. They they want to be a nine to five sort of thing. They, they want to collect their check. Safe. They want to be safe. They want their vacation time. They want their sick days. They want their you know time and a half if they're working overtime. They want to make sure they get their breaks. Everything is nice and orderly for them. It's their own little utopia if you want. And uh, frankly, you know, you should be paying them more money. In fact, uh, we, we demand this minimum wage. And so it, it's all very structured for them. The same thing was true with writing this book. Everything within me um, yelled out, don't do this book. Don't do this book. It's just going to be too much effort. I have a law practice after all. I do have to take care of my family. But I felt, look, if I spent time on this earth and I never wrote this book that I felt was so important, a book about the dangers of atheism, I, I would always say, why didn't I just carve out some time? How hard could it be, right? And I carved it out. I just made it happen. It turns out I enjoyed the process. It was very, uh, you know, engaging and intellectually stimulating. I think it's a funny book. I think it's um, enthralling. I think it's disturbing in many ways. You ain't going to be bored reading this book, but it will definitely enlighten you about the need for God. And that's my mission. I want to, I, I, I see it so clearly. Having been in the enemy camp, I now see it. Now, um, so anyway, that's the inertia thing. People want to be slaves. It's the, it, it, it was always that way. Yeah, it was well, the, during the right. days of the Exodus, right? With, with Moses yes. and everything else. We now know, you know, what the constant themes is that the people going with, uh, with Moses were yelling at him all the time. Why did you take us out of Egypt only to die when we could have had our, a gruel, and as tough as it was, at least you know Pharaoh clothed and fed us. And at least it was known. It's all about the knowns. People yeah. want to know everything. They don't want to understand that part of God. And this is the hard part about communicating the essence of it. This is the Zen mind trick of it: is to accept the unknown. 
to accept on faith that I don't know what tomorrow will bring, right. but having faith that it will be better than today. Mm-hmm. In the Soviet Union, everyone knew it would happen tomorrow, but they kept rewriting yesterday, yeah. right? Yep. In, in the, the people you talk about, the, the Modrons from these different law firms who want to just go to work nine, leave at five, have a vacation, six days. It's all about knowing the knowns. Yeah. I know if I do these things, I will get my 3% raise for 20 years, and I will retire with this, and I will have, as long as I don't want too much for myself, no one will take that away from me. Yeah. And they don't understand, that's not what God wants for us. No. God puts on this earth a tangled garden, a morass, a jungles, rainforest, you know. The opposite of order to the naked eye. That's right. There's an incredible order and majesty when you see there's more to right. it. But it's Testify. Counter- Testify. Right, but it's counterintuitive <laughs> to the human being who wants the safe known to be tomorrow as well. Right. Remember that, uh, I mean, you don't have to believe in the story, but from a literature point of view, uh, God has the Jews wandering the desert. Why? Because Partly because he wants to weed out all those people who had known only slavery in their lives. And to kind of have a new rubric altogether to understand a life without slavery, because it's very hard to get it out of your system. And, and that, that's why I said, I think people prefer to be slaves. It's the weirdest thing. But, and freedom is hard. So, look, I, I want to get back to, uh, to move on to another topic, but it's very related to what we just have been talking about. As you know, there's been a lot of talk about sexual harassment. Okay, so... It started off uh, with, uh, I believe, it was Weinstein. This uh, the whole notion of Weinstein being a, a vicious rapist and all of the stuff. It, it all came apart. He had he had been so brazen about it that uh, it's a wonder it didn't happen sooner. But um, but then again, it's not a wonder because the Democrats and the liberal camps in in the Hollywood media and so so forth have been giving cover for this man for so long. Then it hit this guy uh, Roy Moore, Judge Roy Moore who is running for Senate in Alabama. There's an election in early December. And, of course, the timing of that was designed to make sure that to, to kill his chances of being a, Senate, a senator. But then it kept on rippling, right? It, it went to um, Al Franken. It went to, I mean, you'll, you can throw in other names, like um, uh, this one I, I know right now. It just came out recently. Um, Charlie, uh, Heb- what was it? Charlie... Charlie Rose. Charlie Rose, yeah, the famous uh, commentator on PBS. Um, who are the others? Some, some just throw out some. Uh, John Conyers. Yes, John Conyers. And Al Franken and Kevin Spacey. Yes, oh, of course, Kevin yeah. Spacey. There's so many of these and names. And by the way, I, th- I think it has to be stated, just obviously, the Roy Moore char- uh, accusations are totally false. It's t- totally made up. Uh, yeah. The ones against liberals are totally legitimate. Right. And real, because yeah. there's something called evidence. With Al Franken, mm-hmm. there's pictures and more pictures and more pictures. Well, we're not going to get out with, with yeah. George Moore. There's fakery, and right. and every time there's more evidence, it's proven to be fake. So, it, well, I mean, he, just, he, he did a, say he, in, in defense of those who ch- challenge him, they, they, he did acknowledge that he may have kissed a girl when he was in his early 30s, and they were 17 or 16. So it's not so picture perfect for him. Nevertheless, that's a far cry than the rapes uh, that we we know that Bill Clinton engaged in and the other horrendous behavior that he engaged in while president, while he was governor, and then post his presidency. So uh, the, here's the mission. I want to talk about this now. It's how does this all relate in a sense to godlessness? How does it relate to atheism? I'll, I'll tell you. Uh, you said before, Ari, and it was a good quip, uh, that 
the onset of the 60s, this notion of the the getting the abandonment of God, which really started very aggressively aggressively in the 60s. It was there before, but yeah, it was very aggressive. Yeah, it became mainstream in the 60s. Much more mainstream. Yes. Um, that kind of created a, this whole dynamic where people felt that they could be all become tiny little gods. And because, after all, if there's no God, then there's, you know, you get whatever action you can get, whether that's a lot of food, a lot of money, a lot of toys, and in men's cases, uh, a lot of women. And, and he, who has, he, he who has slept with the most women wins, right? There's, there's something to that. Yeah, we all the know. Syphil- the syphilis prize. <laughs> um, yeah, that's God's little warning. Like, uh, <laughs> yeah, we, maybe you here's some be, breaks that I'd like you to, to consider. Maybe you in a different direction. Yeah, there. that's right. It's almost like saying, you know, uh, who can drive the fastest? Okay, <laughs> right, well, uh, that's right. Not drive the safest. <laughs> not right. arrive in one piece. Right, yeah. But go the fastest. That's right, go the fastest. Damn the consequences. Uh, that's right. Yeah, uh, yeah on, on Wilshire, you know, a regular street, not just in the Mojave Desert. So it just it's so absurd, right? You know, and all for the sake of what? For an orgasm? To be able to say that you kind of conquered this woman? It's really odd. Look, we men, we do want variety in our lives. That's, I understand that impulse. But I think a lot of men, such as Bill Clinton, such as Al Franken, and such as um, Kevin Spacey, they see sex as a form of conquest. Yeah, those weren't it, it, women, by the way, in Spacey's. I, I know that. I, I know. To point that out. That, that's my point. <laughs> I, I, I'm, I'm well aware of that. Yes. It doesn't matter. I, in fact, I'm a, 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 this this point applies equally to gay men as much as it does. That's to right. That's I, I'm well aware of that. Ari. I'm simply saying that it is a powerful thing, and they use it as as a power, a trip. It, it's it reflects it. This is their kingdom, and yeah, here the mastery over slaves. Here, here the people I have mastered over, and therefore it reflects. Back to me, my power that I have, um, that is both in terms of money, but also in sexual allure and sexual conquest. And I, I think that it's, it's, it's really interesting. If you were to look at all the men, and we are dealing mostly with men here. That I, I'm sure there are a couple of women here and there, but really we're talking about men. If you were to look at all the men who are prowlers, who are conquerors, sexual conquerors, like we've been talking about, the Kevin Spaceys and the Bill Clintons and, and so forth. Um, I, I put it to you that virtually none of them, virtually none of them, I'm, I allow for a couple, have a deep abiding love of God. If they truly understand God, there's no way they would do this. They may want it in their dreams. <laughs> they may have it. God knows I have tremendous, wonderful fantasies. I've got a, you know, where, you know, a hundred women are in the same uh, room with be, me. It's going to be your next book. Uh, there you go. Follow up to Atheism <laughs> Kills, a hundred fantasies. hundred fantasies, that's right. <laughs> yeah, and look, in my dreams, I mean, I think that's part of the reason why we have dreams is, is to enjoy the fantasies that we can't otherwise actually have, right? But, but who doesn't want that, right? I mean, so it's kind of like it's, it's, it's a fantasy in your head. Women have different fantasies in that department. But nevertheless, you know, from a male fantasy point of view, you can do that. But... But in reality, you understand the dangers of such a sexually promiscuous uh, approach to life. And I, I, I know that to be true intuitively, that men who have a true abiding faith in God don't do that kind of crap. Okay? And, and they're the ones who, kind of, uh, who spend their lives, hopefully, with a, you know, long-term monogamy with one woman, uh, if they get divorced, fine, whatever. But you know, they, they still are monogamous to their wives and 
despite the difficulties in marriage, they nevertheless go forward with it and they make it work and they understand that God is watching. Okay, God, God doesn't like this notion of, of, of men prowling and doing these, these things and abusing women. This is an abuse of sex. One of the greatest gifts that God has given us is that intimacy and to use it for a different purpose is, it's, I don't know, it's like, a, you know, you give um, a, a kid, um, I don't know, either some sort of food or whatever, and, and they, you know, you give them food, let's say vegetables, right, which are healthy for you, and then they use it instead for a food fight, <laughs> right? You'd say, okay, that's not why I intended <laughs> to give you that food. I wanted you to eat the food and to enjoy this delicious, you know, stir-fried vegetables or whatever it might be. And instead, you use it for bizarre, you know, silly purposes like throwing food around. And, and here in the sexual arena, people use it for power, and they shouldn't be using it for power. They should u- be using it to create an intimacy with their spouse, uh, ultimately to, to have a lot of children, and uh, to, to enjoy that, that incredible intimacy that allows them to appreciate God as well. That's the gift. That's the real reason why uh, we, we have sex. Uh, and, and I think people so abuse it. Yeah, well, you know. But, 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 I, but, but, but wait, but I'm sorry. You know, I, it, it was a perfect you know, pause point, I understand. But let me just get one more thought out there. Sure. The, the power that comes with sex is it's interesting because it really has changed over the years. Women, a lot of women rightfully say, you know, you are abusing your power and all the sexual stuff that's going on. And, and, uh, it's, and they're right to be angry about it. They're right to be angry with Al Franken. They're right to be angry with Bill Clinton and all those other bastards. Bill Cosby is another one of them, by the way. Um, but they never stop to think like, well, perhaps the godlessness and the lack of distinctions, that, that, sort of the evisceration of distinctions that you've insisted on may have led to this very thing. This kind of world where men feel like they can they can touch any any woman the way they want to. Maybe it's this this uh, this this willingness to showcase your body the way that so many women have been showcasing their bodies that only appeals to men's visceral nature. And you are telling you're sending the signal to men: I am just my body. I am just my body. I'm just my body. I mean, isn't that exactly the opposite of what you would want to create? Anyway, go ahead. Well, there is something to that, and I think that the connection between non-believing people or people of no relationship with God and their uh, lack of moral control and how they deal with others is an obvious connection. But I think there's more to it with what you're hearing from these stories, and that most of these stories, from my opinion, have almost nothing to do with sex. If you look at the great numbers putter-uppers in recent history, people like Wilt Chamberlain, you never hear stories of Wilt Chamberlain. Who knows if the 20,000 women he allegedly slept with. The math doesn't add up. Even though there wasn't a lot of sleeping going on, I don't remember any of them accusing him of violence. Right. Okay? Right. Doing the kinds of things that Bill Clinton did to women has nothing to do with seducing them. If you and I are married guys... And if we had an affair on our wives, it's a bad thing, right? Right. But just because you have an affair and do a bad thing that has to violate the the sanctity of marriage or something like that. That's adultery. Yeah, yeah, adultery. It doesn't mean 
you made these disgusting, unwanted advances that are technically, in a legal term, physical assault against someone. If I touch you in a way you don't want to be touched, whether it's sexual or not, that's right. assault. Right. Whether it's a punch, a kick, uh, you know, a violent this, that, or right. other. If I took my finger and flicked you somewhere, you know, it, you know, depending on the severity, it's an assault. And when it's a sexual assault, it's even grosser. And when you hear these stories of uh, Al Franken or Charlie Rose walking around naked in front of women or grabbing their butts without... It's beyond sex. In many ways, it's it's an act of violence that has a sexual component, which makes it ever more disgusting. And I don't want to conflate the two. When you hear a story of Roy Moore kissing a 16- or 17-year-old, let's not forget, as it, it, we're in California, so we have our own images and our own ideas, right? States' rights, etc. In Alabama, the age of consent always was 16. He was legally allowed to kiss a 16-year-old consenting adult. Oh, I didn't realize that. Yes. Okay. It was not child molestation in that state. It's the way they did it in Bammy. Okay? Right. right. So that further undermines that argument that was even child molestation. Right. wasn't. Right. And if they willingly kissed him back, it wasn't unwanted. And every guy at some point has made an unwanted advance on a woman, as simple as, and my style always was never just to kiss her out of the blue, it was always to say, hi, how are you? Could we? Would you like to have some coffee? Could I take you out on a date? Yeah. Here's my phone number. If it's unwanted, she would go, no, thank you. Right. And you leave it at that. Right. If the next step that these jerks would do is then grab her ass right. <laughs> against her will, yeah, no, and that's what's happened I in understand. many of these cases. So I don't want to conflate it with a sexual I'm not, thing. I'm it's not conflating not, it, but no. it, but there's another thing here, which is I think that in the Venn diagram of correlations, those who engage in adulterous behavior may sometimes be. A God-believing people, not atheists. But I think it's clear that anyone who engages in these assaults can't be a God-believing person, no matter what they might profess or give voice to. Right. They might say, till the day is long, like Bill Clinton might, you know, I believe in God or whatever. Right. But, hey, uh-uh. Yeah. Your actions just yell yeah, the, with the, your... The, the words and the music whisper. don't match. Yeah, the right. words and the music. Uh, look, I mean, there are always exceptions, so let's not let the exception swallow the rule. But I, I think it's kind of intuitive in the same way that if you, you know, Dennis Prager's comment is a good one, which is if you are in a dark alley and you see 10 men behind you, uh, you, don't know, you, you don't know anything about them uh, and you're in a bad area of town other than uh, the, the fact that they just came back from a Bible study. They were walking back uh, from a Bible study. Uh, then you, you feel fr- fairly safe, right? You know that these guys are not going to jump you and try to mug you or rape you or whatever it might be, right? Right. So the same thing is true here. When, when it comes to um, if you're a woman and you know that the man that you are dating is a true believer in God, that God is a big part of his life, the chances of him actually you know, jumping on you and doing these awful things that you're talking about uh, is, is very slim. It's not zero, but it's very slim. Whereas if you don't have that, if you were to know nothing about this guy, other than he's a guy, uh, and you're talking to him. And or we're still a self-professed feminist. Right. Watch out. Yeah, watch out. Exactly right. <laughs> right. That's a good point. Yeah, that's right. All, that, what do all of them have in common recently? They're all feminists. Right. They're so, all pro-choice. And, and back to your point, and, and of course, the, merely the fact that somebody says that they're a God-fearing or feminist, as the case may be, or whatever, 
doesn't make them so that they may be lying to you, right? That's what a con man does. So I'm talking about people who actually believe in God, who actually walk the walk. Of course. That, so we're, we're, we're on the same page. Yes. Um, and and this, is, this should be kind of obvious. But I, what I love about the, the basic kind of concept that you brought up first, Ari, is that, you know, we're finally seeing kind of the, the what is it, they're all coming, the roosters coming home to the roost. The chickens are coming home. Yes. You, you didn't spend a lot of time in Reverend Wright's church, did you? I Apparently not. <laughs> yeah. So the chickens are coming home to roost, as it were. I don't know why that expression applies. Yeah, and but yeah, but... And I've always wanted to say, I'm sorry to interrupt you, but it's such a stupid saying because chickens don't roost. Roosters roost, and roosters aren't chickens. So for whatever reason, okay, the chickens are coming home to, to roost. And uh, you get the idea that things are, you know, things are finally kind of meeting their, eventual, their, their eventualities, right? You have a world without God. You're, you're going to have um, a bunch of bad things happening. One of them is you're going to have more crime. You'll have more murder. You'll have more theft uh, of different kinds. And you'll have people, you know, swearing a lot more. And you'll have abuse of other people. You'll also have more rape and uh, more sexual harassment, generally speaking. This is kind of obvious, right, folks? Yeah, one of the things you've talked about before is what God wants from us, which is not to be a jerk. So what you're saying is the explosion of atheism leads to a lot more jerks. Right. Well, yeah, but, but my, my point is that if there is no God, well, why, why wouldn't they? I mean, I'm not, I'm not, again, I'm not applauding what Charlie Rose has done, what Al Franken has done, what Bill Clinton has done. But if you're an atheist, if you truly have no God in your life, then... If, and if you can get away with it, I understand that's illegal from a standpoint of, you know, keeping society in line and not having people do this because we need a society to function. But by golly, if you can get away with it, well, then why not if you're a godless person, right? And you just, you know, you, you pay this woman or that woman enough money to get her off your back and make sure that she doesn't talk. What's the problem? Why would you, why would you, and then you, then you die at some point, you become earth, earthworm food and that's it. So you got you got away with it, right? Big deal. So you ha- you've got your jollies, as it were. You got to parade like Charlie Rose did, uh, you know, naked or semi-naked, in front of uh, the woman of, of his choice. It's kind of disgusting. Oh, no, 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 no. It's not kind of disgusting. It's really disgusting. Yeah, of course. <laughs> Don't throw out the kinda. <laughs> but, but, I mean, why not? Right. Right. I, I don't understand. You believe in survival of the fittest. Right. I mean, before you say, "Oh, Barack is uh, is encouraging this kind of thing," no, of course not. I, I'm saying, but but I I'll go even further. I say, why not murder people that are in your way? It's a logical thing. If it's survival of the fittest, as you, the atheist, profess, why wouldn't you also agree to, you know, uh, wipe out? What do you call rub out? Rub out people that are in your way, whether it's. You know, that guy, Bobby, who's, uh, you know, uh, he's, he's the candidate also in line for the same promotion that you're in line for. Uh, and, and he's your competition. Well, get, him, get, get rid of him somehow. I have this in my book. I, why not? You know, either, either kill him <laughs> or, less offensively, uh, just kind of libel him, you know, defame him. You know, uh, do some uh, pictures of him, you know, Photoshop some pictures of him with young boys. And, uh, you know, make the boss question whether or not this guy is actually fit for the job. What's, what's wrong with that? Survival of the fittest, right? I mean, you're going to survive. You, you did what you needed to do. And, and, and don't tell me that I'm, I'm being absurd. 
you guys love these people. No, you're making a perfect yeah. example of what happens when you're accountable only to yourself, i.e. you've turned yourself into God, i.e. you're right. an atheist. And, and people do this all the time. I'll, I'll tell you how. Uh, you love, you lefties, and you atheists in particular, you seem to love Che Guevara. You seem to love Fidel Castro. You seem to love Ho Chi Minh. You seem to love uh, Daniel Ortega and, and a lot of the other monsters of South America. Hugo Chavez. Hugo Chavez, perfect yes. example. And, and you know that these guys are murdering people, but you're, you're okay with that. Yeah, and you're jiggy. As you're you jiggy, with, you're jiggy with that. With weird, right? Right. I mean, it's just the weirdest thing. But but Roy Moore, oh well, he you know he kissed a girl. Has to go. <laughs> has to go. This is outrageous. I, I, Donald you know, Trump talked about grabbing. That's right. You know. Yeah, that's it, right. And you left your car ignition, uh, your your car running while you were uh, you know having a smoke in your car, listening to the Eagles song or whatever, right? And you're contributing to global warming, right? But that that is unaccept, unacceptable, unforgivable. But Che Guevara, you, you do what you got to do. Good for him. I, and, and I love that. Uh, uh, that two-tone poster of his. Oh, it's so beautiful. It's so it's so artistic, right? Right. Uh, and Draconian he, laws against honking at a bad driving biker. Right. If you're in a car yes. and you honk at a guy on a bicycle, but you can abort any baby you want. Right. No. No. Yeah. No worries there. And Margaret Sanger is a hero. Mussolini was a hero. Eugenics was a great idea, according to all these these atheists of old and present. So. Don't tell me that I'm being ridiculous or that somehow we're advocating for this. I'm telling you what your logical way of thinking is, but you've already shown that you've, you've adopted that. You as, not, not you personally, my, my atheist listener, but your team has shown that time and time again, that you are okay with it, that you are willing to turn a blind eye. In fact, sometimes not, not such a blind eye because you know what? You got to get the job done. And Everyone knows that to make an omelet, you got to break some eggshells, right? Wink, wink, nudge, nudge. That's the world of the godless, my friends. And so don't be so surprised that in a world of the godless that some men will say, I like that piece of you know what, and I want her. And I'm going to do with her what I want. Because you know what? I'm powerful. Or as, or as that, that guy said, um, uh, Al Franken, when, when he did his Saturday Night Live skit, because I'm important enough, Good. I'm a celebrity enough, and by golly, I'm entitled enough, <laughs> right? I'm, I'm paraphrasing what he used to say, because that's, that's the way he, he looked in the mirror, and he told himself, this is okay. I can do this stuff, because I'm Al Franken, damn it, and I get away with crap like this, all right? That's, that's why godlessness leads to exactly that, that attitude. That's why we're seeing all that we see, see today so much surrounding us time after time it will not stop my friends until we all realize that God is truly in the picture and that we are leaving God it's, it's one thing to, to abandon God and know that you're abandoning God it's another thing to think that somehow God out of the picture is somehow the right thing God help us all I'm Barack Lurie thanks for listening I'll talk with you next week